Welcome to Opera Fix for the week of May 7th, 2018. The New York Opera Fest continues this week with Cantanti Project's Tabla Rasa, Heartbeat Opera's Fidelio and Don Giovanni, Here Opera Center's Symphonie Fantastique, and Bronx Opera's Freischutz continuing through this weekend. Also happening this week is Opera on Tap's Homebrewed Opera, Rumpelstiltskin at Rhymes with Opera, and the openings of Aida at Regina Opera, and Lucio Silla at Brooklyn College Opera Theater. In London, George Benjamin's Lessons in Love and Violence will have its premiere at the Royal Opera House on May 10th. You may remember Written on Skin, which was recently performed at Opera Philadelphia. Lessons in Love and Violence is based on the life of King Edward II, who was famously deposed and hideously murdered for supposedly being gay. And in L.A., Opera Off Grand presents the West Coast premiere of Matthew O'Coin's Crossing in two concert performances on May 25th and 26th. And now we have Chuck Sachs interviews with Heartbeat Opera's music director and arranger Daniel Schlossberg and Kelly Griffin, who is singing Lee in Fidelio. Hello, Daniel. You've created new arrangements and orchestrations for both Don Giovanni and Fidelio for the 2018 Heartbeat Festival and for most of the Heartbeat Opera productions. What was the original impetus for creating these new arrangements? Well, that's a great question. Um, there's a bunch of different reasons. Uh, I think the first kind of arose from a very practical consideration, you know, where this small, young opera company, our focus is creating operas in very intimate spaces, visceral productions that people feel very much up close to. And we, um, you know, don't have the, both the luxury um, of, you know, an 80-piece orchestra, an orchestra pit at all. Um, and also we just feel that to help create these um, really immediate productions, to have the musicians be really a part of the productions is a very important um, goal. And to that end... Um, you know, these operas were written for generally huge orchestras, uh, especially operas in the canon that we do. And we just thought that, you know, what better way to, to reinvent them and to, to make them relevant than to actually also dive into the music as well in the same way as diving into the actual story. And how have these arrangements generally been received by your collaborators, the singers, the musicians, and the audiences even? Yeah, I think the first one, I did one uh, for, our, for our first season of Jasmine and Chloe, and, and I actually wasn't able to be involved in that production other than writing the arrangement. Um, but the, the one that I, that I both did arrange and uh, perform in and conduct, uh, which I kind of consider to be like the kind of I don't know, fundamental, the, the, the kind of foundational work that we would have pursued from then on is Lucia di Lammermoor. And we did that in uh, a couple seasons ago. Uh, and Louisa directed it. Her idea was to put Lucia in a kind of sanatorium. And she is having these kind of fever dreams of being this heroine in this story. Uh, so I kind of took that idea of madness and ran with it in the orchestration. I featured a bunch of different percussion instruments as well as a toy piano and pushed the boundaries of kind of what one might think is uh, 
bel canto sound in terms of the orchestra. The lug, the, the, not luxury, I guess the, the, the uh, wonderful thing about Donizetti's score is that it is in a way very straightforward um, from an orchestrational perspective. And uh, you know, his, the way he writes for the voice is, is very unique and all this stuff, but the orchestra is, is just a kind of, you know, Italian, operatic <laughs> style and so I was like okay I have a lot it's like seems like a kind of tabula rasa I have I could kind of do whatever I want so I added a bunch of things we we there's a famous harp solo in that and so I decided okay why well, don't we put on the vibraphone and see what how that <laughs> goes um the cadenza the vocal cadenza in the mad scene um with flute became uh, also a voice and vibraphone duet and I used uh, crotales and bowed cymbals and all these crazy sounds that um, toy piano and the mad scene. The mad scene is really where, you know, and I actually in, went inside the piano and plucked strings, <laughs> harmonics, lots of different things to kind of like bring in a more contemporary uh, approach to performance uh, and composition into this score. So that, and then from there we kind of, you know, that, that got really well received. So we just kind of jumped into the next few seasons and I've been doing it ever since. And, and how do you feel uh, that the new arrangement, arrangements have fulfilled your intent? I, I'm really, you know, it's very exciting to me to have an opportunity to do something like this. I'm a composer, and, but I also am a performer and, um, and a conductor. And I have loved opera for, I think that's really what got me to classical music is actually Carmen. Um, and so, you know, encountering these famous scores, beautiful scores, like masterpieces, uh, is fulfilling to me um, both as a, um, you know, opera lover and as a composer because I can really go in there and see what they're doing, see how they're orchestrating. And not only that, you know, try to make it my own and kind of make, put my composer hat on and um, access the music that way too. And I feel like I've been, you know, very pleased in how they've They've developed. Um, it is, you know, quite a bit of work, and every year it's it's always like, oh, did I really sign up? This year, you know, the operas we usually do about ninety minutes for the past couple seasons. This year, Don Giovanni's two hours, and Fidelio is ninety minutes. You know, and so I felt like, well, it's even more. Here we go. But it's it's always exciting, and it's always wonderful to to be in contact with the scores in such an intimate way. My goal is so that that people don't wish they were hearing the original, but rather listen to this and are like, wow, I, I just totally, the original has now gone from my, and I've like enjoyed that, and I've, I've thought, wow, oh my gosh, I want, you know, that, that's a totally different take on the music, and like I've heard things that I didn't hear before. Um, a side note about musical theater, Ethan and I actually, the, one of the first things that I, that I did a full reorganization of was Sunday in the Park with George, which was his um, drama school thesis, and okay. so at that time he we knew we couldn't do the full version. I mean, it's not that many instruments anyway, but we, we decided, oh, it'd be cool to, to try to do a reorchestration. I think it was like seven or eight instruments. Mm -hmm. I actually worked with the original orchestrator on that, so it was a really I great experience. I did read that. That's, yeah. And he's, yeah. Michael Sturban yeah. is just a genius in yeah. terms of what he did. Absolutely. I yes. mean, if you, the original Assassins was mm -hmm. uh, yep. like... Two pianos and percussion, two pianos. and yeah. And then yeah. he got the chance, I mean, for the, for mm -hmm. the recording, to increase that, yes. and then further, uh, again, when they had to finally had the revival, increase it a bit more. Yep. Um, but I always remember the vibrancy in the, uh, of that original performance 
um, at Playwrights Horizons. Which, right. Did you see that? Yes, I did. And it, to have uh, to know the pianists who were there, um, Paul Ford mm-hmm. and uh, I can't remember the, the other, but it's like these people have these lifelong careers working with Sondheim and just they're just. Yep. yep. But that, and Geminiani was probably yes, it was yeah, Geminiani yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I know with uh, Don Giovanni Fidelio, you've gone uh, different ways. Uh, Don Giovanni, it's written about uh, about going to Mozart's clarinet mm-hmm. uh, concerto work and like that. So can you talk about that a little? Absolutely. Um, we were considering, you know, how to how to create a new Don Giovanni, and an obvious choice uh, is strings. I mean, you know. The, the, the really nice thing about a Mozart score is that it really fits well from, you know, from a kind of small amount of people to a large amount of people. Concertos are often played piano and string quartet, string quintet. So it really fits well. And, but I thought, you know, I, I, I wanted to do something a little bit different, not simply a string arrangement. I mean, that would have been fun, but maybe not as fulfilling. And so we, you know, I was talking with the team and the idea of the clarinet started emerging Late in life, Mozart started incorporating the clarinet more and more into his work. I think throughout his life, he kind of, it was kind of around, and he had a friend, I forget the name, who was a performer, a clarinetist, and who he had a relationship with ongoing. Um, but it started to be featured in his work and leading up to the great quintet, clarinet quintet and the concerto, and also um, some in opera. Actually, it was in Don Giovanni. There are clarinets in Don Giovanni. And um, so I thought... Also, the clarinet is an instrument and its relationship with strings, especially in the quintet. It's the idea of this outsider and the individual versus society. I mean, chamber music had kind of always been a metaphor for that or thought of as a metaphor for that. Um, Bach's Brandenburg Concertos, like there's the groups of people kind of in relation to other groups. And the Mozart Quintet really is a beautiful, from the very beginning, you have the strings playing these beautiful sustained notes, and the clarinet comes in with an arpeggio. You know, very different. So it's like immediately you know that he's putting them in dialogue mm-hmm. and in contrast. And so that moment of the quintet, the very opening of it, was what really inspired me. And as Don Giovanni himself, we see this kind of social outcast, an outsider, someone who is also a shapeshifter, and his ability to kind of like get under people's skin. Mm-hmm. Um, just like the clarinet is, is an instrument that can both really blend in with anything and be really imperceptible in a way, get really, really quiet. It's, one of, it's the ability to get one of the most, you know, from, and I use it in this, mm-hmm. in this arrangement, from niente, from nothing. The sound mm-hmm. is so pretty mm-hmm. and it can barely be there, but also it can be extremely loud, extremely mm-hmm. stringent. And so I thought that that was a really apt metaphor for Don Giovanni. And so in my arrangement, we see the progression, a kind of narrative of the clarinet's relationship with the strings, just like we see what happens to Don Giovanni, not to give too much away. But right. that's the idea behind that. Right. Now, Fidelio mm. is a whole nother... Oh, completely um, <laughs> you know, different bu- Bucket of fish, we'll say, uh, <laughs> because I know also you've... Um, had made connections to six prison choirs. Yes. So now with that, we're going to have an yes. element of recording. Yes. Um, am I correct? This is going to be both video and audio recording yes. of the prisoners? Mm-hmm. That's so correct. So how did that come about? So actually, in the fall, uh, we decided on Fidelia last summer, um, and as we were discussing kind of how to... I mean, Ethan was really excited about making Fidelia contemporary. 
in right. this and moment. Right, and it even has, like, know. in a sense, a new book, in a sense. New book. I mean, the, the, the German is the same, essentially, but the scenes are, yes, totally rewritten. Mm-hmm. Uh, we wanted to set it in America, and we wanted to take on the American criminal justice system. And one of the things that came up is that I actually have a friend... Uh, whose name is Amanda Weber. She is a choral conductor. I met her in grad school. She was at Yale for choral conducting. She started a program in Minnesota called Voices of Hope, which is a prison choir. And she had a TED Talk about it. And so I watched that. And it was really inspiring. So I just reached out to her and said, we're doing this opera. Is there a potential for collaboration? And she said, that's very exciting. Yes. And then we, we talked a bit more, and she sent us some more names of conductors that she knew throughout the Midwest. So we got connected to all these conductors, and suddenly we had six choirs ready to record Ovel Chalust, right? crazy itinerary of you know multiple states and multiple days seeing as many of these choirs as we can we met them we met the directors we met the incarcerated men uh we only we didn't there is there are two uh, female choirs and we did not we were not able to go but we we met all these people and heard them and it was just an amazing experience and was so happy that that this is included in our production so we record they recorded segments of Ovel Chalust and we made, when we were there, we made video recordings of the choirs that mm-hmm. we saw, and thankfully we got permission to use them, and all of the uh, people were so uh, happy and like, to be a part of a production in New York. You know, it's kind of like New York is coming to Kansas, and they're like, I can't believe that there's this production in New York. And um, so we recorded video, and so we'll be featured in this, in that moment, in the center, it's pretty much the center of the opera. Um, we will hear and see these voices. Um, so that's a major element of it. Well, I, I'm excited. Everything I've been reading about is also, I've actually never seen Fidelio. That's I've, not unusual. I've, I've I mean, it's not, it's not. I know. Done. I, I think to, it was done at the Met last season, but it's, it's like, it's like never. I meant know, to no go because the cast yeah. was amazing, but it yeah. just didn't happen. Yeah. So I'm excited that this is my first Fidelio and maybe like, for me, like Ballet Trocadero where mm. I prefer yes, their versions right. of certain ballets <laughs> more than the full-length ones be- right. because they take the piss out of them and they, they interpret them and uh, Lord knows traditional ballet can get really formulaic. Exactly. And like, you know, Pace Beethoven, obviously Beethoven is this you know, monumental figure in the realm of classical music. I feel like there is a hesitancy to kind of change anything even though Beethoven himself revises multiple times Mm -hmm. this was a struggle for him clearly he didn't want to write an opera I believe uh, and they convinced him to the story goes something like you know someone asked him and he said well you have Rossini why do you need Beethoven you know that was what was going on at the time Rossini was really really popular that's what everyone in Germany wanted to watch Italian opera Mm -hmm. right so Beethoven, but he was finally persuaded to this revolutionary theme very close to his heart and he worked and worked and he, you know, these versions that happen, it's very interesting to listen to them because they exist. Recordings of the originals exist, mm-hmm. obviously, and it's, I mean, he would just cut bars. 
you just be like, oh, this phrase, someone, either he thought or this phrase is too, two bars too long. All right, we chop the bars up. Like, that's how these arias ended up being what they are now, which mm-hmm. is really fascinating. So anyway, there's this, I, the fact that there was this history of revision mm-hmm. gave us license to kind of, you know, I think as a composer myself, I would want people, if my work, you know, would ever, ever become a classic, mm-hmm. which is like more than anyone can hope for yeah. right now, I would love for people to react to it because that's what makes it art. It's like this, it starts a conversation and I, I, I'm like really happy to be part of that conversation. Um, and I think, I mean, our spirit is certainly in workshop and we, with the cast has a lot of input as we get into the room mm-hmm. in terms of their characters and we really want to create well-rounded, well-thought-out, deep characters who have deep beliefs. Mm-hmm. And I think Fidelio is an opera that's really great for that. I think we have real kind of strong, each of the five characters is just very, very distinct. Um, yeah. What's next? I mean, I kind of know what's next because <laughs> I'm looking at my little notes here and they look really interesting. I read a little about Awful Event. Yes. And then you also have soon. La Boheme Warhola. Yes, as well. Uh, yeah. Tell us about those little, because Awful Effect sure. is, when I read the subtitle, it, <laughs> it's really wild. Why don't you yeah. give it to us? So, um, my really good friend, longtime collaborator, Dustin Wills, uh, who's a director, uh, and I, and a, pr- a playwright, Kate Tarker, uh, a couple years back, developed this show, you know, Dustin and Kate came up to me with this idea of like, we want to do a musical about Mary Todd Lincoln's internal organs. So this sounds great. <laughs> it's perfect. You know, like, sure, let's do it. And, and so we, we went How with the New York... How has this not been done by prototype? <laughs> I, I mean, I mean we're, we're trying to, we did it at um, Antfest, which is a, um, a, a theater festival at Ars Nova. Mm-hmm. And we also had New York Theater Workshop kind of uh, help workshop it, and we are now going to be doing it at the Brishnikov Arts Center in the end of May as a workshop, and we want to re... The idea is we're trying to kind of re... take, a, take another look at, like, the audience, um, the relationship between the audience and the performers in uh-huh. a musical setting. It's going to be a bit of vaudeville and kind of, like, carnivalesque, um, but it's it's a very kind of fun, um, and serious, you know, everything's together. Tragedy and comedy are all right up next to each other. So we're kind of celebrating that. And so do um, people play her internal organs? Yes, there are. Yes, there are. Um, there's bladder scene. Uh, there's a vagina <laughs> scene. You know, there's a, I hope the vagina scene isn't cut actually. That's a good one. But there's a, <laughs> you know, there's multiple, it's, a, it's basically her reaction to the assassination and like how that manifests mm-hmm. in the body. That was the original impetus for it, and we're, it'll, it might change a bit in our new version, but it's, you know, it's fun. It's well, I want to be there. <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, Absolutely. And now, also, you have, uh, uh, is it a new adaptation of La yes. Boheme? Yes. So, this is something I actually am working on with Louisa, where we were approached by, Louisa was approached by Pittsburgh Festival Opera, which is the summer, summer mm-hmm. officers of Pittsburgh, to do a La Boheme uh, with an Andy Warhol theme because Andy Warhol is based, you know, there's Pittsburgh, his Pittsburgh connection. Obviously, there's a foundation there. Um, mm-hmm. And so we, she approached me because we wanted to kind of like bring in a new musical take on it. Obviously, it's like really like calling for it. I mean, with the whole Velvet Underground. So there's this, so I'm doing a new orchestration for more instruments than Heartbeat normally mm-hmm. has, which is, I think it's about nine or ten with electric guitars and drums and 
saxophones and and uh, just a, a different kind of synthesizers, like a different kind of sound to try that. So we'll do that there in July, and then Heartbeat will also be doing it within the next few years sometimes. So Great. I mean, so yeah. what is, can you tell me what Luis's take on, I mean, to create the, well, it's just going to be yeah, it's it? going to be set in the factory in his okay. factory, which was his studio uh-huh. in New York, and just kind of loosely, you know, that that mostly that'll be taken as the setting. It'll kind of be his entourage of mm-hmm. people and drugs and parties. The whole second act will be this drug party, yeah. But um, yeah, so I'm I'm very excited about about trying that, and that that's good because that's you know we get to do that once and then we'll do something with it for Heartbeat, um, uh, mm-hmm. and that's, yeah, I'm really, really excited. Well, thank you. Um, Absolutely. I hope you enjoyed it. I had a great Absolutely. time talking, and thank you so I much. can't wait to see both works next week. Great. I look forward to seeing you there. Thanks. Thank you. Hello, Kelly. Hello. How are you doing today? I'm doing very well. It's nice to be here. So, um, I know you're playing Leah... Leo in the Heartbeat's new production of Fidelio. Yes. How have rehearsals been going for this new version? Rehearsals have been going very well. We actually um, just uh, had a slight uh, name change, so I'm singing uh, Leah slash Lee in this uh, revised uh, version. So, um, yes, uh, rehearsals are going well. We're busy. Um, it's... Uh, emotionally charged and um, very musically demanding production. So there's there's a lot to handle during each rehearsal process. So uh, how different, if at all, has the rehearsal process been for this production for you? Well, um, I will say, um, you know, Ethan and, and his whole creative team are very imaginative in their uh, rehearsal process. So a lot of times you go into an opera production and um, someone comes in with a very um, uh, kind of static version of what they envision on the stage and you will move here at this point and you will move there at that point. And Ethan um, really likes to look at the drama as it's happening. And he likes to take into account how the singer slash actor is feeling at that moment. You know, what would you think your character would be doing at this moment? So his process is um, very dynamic and um, it, it changes and it's, it's very exciting and um, uh, for opera singers, sometimes that can be a little bit scary, yes. you know, because we're used to <laughs> the predictable and this is how things are and they stay the same. But, you know, Heartbeat Opera's mission is to make unique opera and to make anything unique, you're going to have to do things in a different way. And they're certainly doing that. And I really appreciate this unique challenge. That's wonderful. Um, can you tell us some about the actual, I mean, the concept for the production, because it's very different from a a traditional Fidelio. And as you say, you're playing Leah Lee. Um, I know that it's it's really addressing Black Lives Matter slash the uh, imprisonment of of ethnic Americans. But tell me more about what what's going on with it. Sure, I. Well, I'm not sure how much I can say. I want to say, okay, spoiler alert, but <laughs> I think that um, 
You know, yes, all, all of what you said is correct. I will say that I think the bigger aspect of this is giving a voice to people that would not otherwise have an opportunity to speak. Um, and that encompasses Black Lives Matter, you know, so many movements that are, that are happening now. We're setting this in modern times, um, as Heartbeat Opera often will do um, in, their, in their productions. We have um, a falsely imprisoned black man and so, you know, uh, like the traditional Fidelio, I, as his wife, am, you know, trying to rescue my, my husband. But the po political aspect of this is that this is a black man falsely imprisoned. And so we have, you know, people of color in this production. Um, and it's, you know, it's a very interesting take. And Ethan is handling it um, just beautifully. So... Um, as we know, it's, Heartbeat has a very intimate style. Have you had a chance to perform um, operas and with companies that are produced in such an intimate style before, or is this new to you? I I've had the opportunity to work with um, operas that are yeah, produced in, in an intimate fashion. I, I think that um, although this is intimate, Heartbeat's scale seems to be very grand, you know, within the intimate environment. You know, you can compare it to some of the other smaller opera companies here in New York City, and although the venue may be quite intimate and that you're looking and you see the audience right there in front of you, it's still, Heartbeat's um, productions seem to be a grand scale within an intimate environment. So you're almost getting the same... Um, uh, like large-scale opera that you would get in a much larger venue, but you're kind of in the middle of it, you know, and we're going to be all over the theater. So you're not going to know where we're coming from. You're going to be sitting in the audience, and rather than just, you know, looking up on the stage or down at the stage, you're going to be seeing us from all over the place, which really makes the audience a part of things. Well, I, I love it. That is the type of theater I am used to working in, uh... Really, we, we call it within this empty space, mm -hmm. and it's you can only work with what's, what you bring into that space, and then that's it, but the, it's the use of also the whole space, and really engaging the audience from just about everywhere. Right. Is this the first opera you've done with Heartbeat, or have you done... Yes, it, it's, it's my first opera with Heartbeat. Um, I was familiar with some of their work um, from last season. Um, but uh, as I found out that I was going to be doing this project, I really started looking into what they did and just the breadth of all of their work. It, it's really outstanding. Um, <clears throat> so let's uh, find out a little more about you. Uh, where are you from? Where, what's your training background? So I grew up uh, in the southern tier of New York State, a little town called uh, Allegheny. Okay. Just a few thousand people. Um, and uh, I started taking voice lessons in um, probably junior high or, or high school. Um, started out doing, you know, children's theater, things like that, and went on to um, Indiana University and University of Cincinnati and um, have, you know, done programs since. And um, programs, you mean in the young artist programs? Or? Yeah, yes, I did um, a studio artist program um, uh, in Orlando and um, uh, just some other, you know, 
training programs and, and things like that. So, um, what is it up for you uh, after this? What are you singing next? What are you preparing? So, after this, uh, we're going to be um, getting ready for uh, audition season in the fall, but I also have a... Um, uh, project that I'm working on with um, ballet and song. Uh, we did a preview with um, Met Live Arts at the Metropolitan Museum of Art um, last month. I'm trying to remember where we are in the calendar year, <laughs> yes. And um, that will be um, coming to fruition in 2019 as the full work. So um, we're actually um, getting the concept of all of that together, and there will be more music added to the program. So that's kind of the next big project that I know of, but things will be popping up, I'm sure, before then. And what ballet company are you working with? Can you well, tell? These are dancers, um, most of whom are affiliated with uh, City Ballet, but um, they're, people, they're working independently. Mm -hmm. um, this is not officially with, okay. with the ballet company. And, but who is then choreographing or your co-creator in this? So um, this is being uh, choreographed um, by uh, Silas Farley. Um, he's an amazing uh, dancer and uh, friend, and um, he's put together a, a great project. So I'm looking forward to that. And are you going to be moving also in this? Is it one of those things where... No, I am not moving. No, I am standing still and and dance uh, and, and singing. i got to be careful what I say. Yes, I am standing still and singing. Yes. So in terms of uh, parts, roles you would, you're interested in doing, you're training for, what, what are those? What's, what's your goal of the next things you're going to be doing? You know, there are things that um, excite me the most that regarding roles I'd like to revisit. You know, there are always roles that I want to sing, but um, I had the opportunity to sing uh, Lady Macbeth and Verdi's Macbeth, but it was, you know, one, one <laughs> night. And I have never, you know, that, that role was just such an amazing role to learn and to perform. And I would love an opportunity to do that again. Um, I would love um, another um, Aida. Um, but roles that I haven't done, I'd, I'd really enjoy um, performing Tosca. Um, I, I think, yeah, I think that that's, that's kind of a, a role that I can say I definitely want to do that I have not done before. So this, this for me, this Fidelio for me is way <laughs> far from what I'm normally used to. And it's just been such fun to sink my teeth into it. How has it been, how has it been working with the new arrangements? Because that is so vastly different yeah. also. <laughs> yes. uh, no, I think that uh, Daniel Schlossberg is uh, a magician, you know, in, in the way that he's... Um, taken this work and um, revised it and, you know, moving things around and um, he's tailoring it to Ethan's vision and it's really pretty amazing. Um, that is another aspect that is ever changing. You know, even the music is changing as mm -hmm. we're going through this rehearsal process. But it's really workshop. It's yes. A rehearsal workshop and I know that feeling. The um, orchestra was with us last night in just mm -hmm. regular, what I thought was just staging rehearsal, mm -hmm. but they go as far as to um, incorporate the orchestra into part of that process, 
which allows us to say, okay, hey, this isn't working out. Maybe we need to add this here musically mm -hmm. or change that. Mm -hmm. And the orchestra can just make those changes on the spot. That's, that's something very unique. That is, and, and I, I'm excited to hear Cantata Profana. Yes. And then further with this, you, there's also uh, the element of recorded uh, music because yes. these, the, the prison, uh, the choirs, is actually this recorded prison choirs from the Midwest. So how is that working? Are you, are you singing during those sections as well? or? So, no. In fact, um, we've known that the prison choirs were going to be incorporated in this for some time, and this is truly extraordinary. Um, what we have seen so far, I believe, is not the completed work. So they're having to kind of mesh together six different choirs into this recording, and I believe that the, the orchestra will be playing along as the recording is. There's so many pieces of this. Um, and so um, I am not aware yet of what the final product will be, but I'm sure I'm going to hear that during Tech Week coming up. <laughs> um, but it's really extraordinary. And it's taken the production, even the, the version that I heard, which was not complete, has taken the production to... A different level to see the faces of and hear the voices of people we're representing, um, people who aren't able to come to the show mm -hmm. and speak for themselves. And I hope that we can somehow honor them in this production. You know, they're, they're going to be there with us in the only way that they can right now. Well, I, I would hope as well. And, you know, it's been lovely speaking with you. You as Have well. Have a great end to rehearsals, and I will see it next week. Thank you. I'm so looking forward to it. And that's Opera Fix for this week. Thank you for listening.